Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit makes these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the super light tree runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The eucalyptus fiber upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the super light tree runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a super light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center Podcast Feed, and this particular episode of the Four Center Podcast Feed is the Clone Wars Report. And God bless it, I was gonna. Ha- I had a cue. I'd have cue <laughs> queued up. I had a sound cue. I was gonna surprise you with, and I just realized I forgot. <laughs> uh, well, if you're listening to the Clone Wars Report for the very first time, I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, and that <laughs> is Ken Napsok making the wonderful mouth magic uh, plays a little theme. Surprised me with a different Clone Wars theme every time. In this one, I, I know you were caught off guard, but I really liked it because it sounded like you were an investigative journalist just yes. hammering away on the on the keyboard there. I do, and I I have a good uh, sound bed for a, a character in one of my podcasts I do, and I, I was like, oh, you know what, I, I'm going to be so cool. And I looked down at my soundboard and I forgot to load it over. That's great. Great, Ken. <laughs> You're on it. You're on it. Uh, I always intend to be cool, and then I look down and... And make a realization. That happens to all of us. Story of my life. <laughs> well, we're very excited as always to be talking about the Clone Wars. We are getting into season three. If you've been following along, you know that we talk about uh, individual episodes or arcs if the episodes are connected. And we've been talking through it in chronological order. And that means we're getting into some of the real messy area here in season three. So uh, our discussion this week is about the episode season three, episode five, uh, Corruption. 
That one is written by Cameron Litvak, directed by Giancarlo, Giancarlo Volpe. And then season three, episode six, The Academy, written by Katie Lucas and Stephen Melching. And that one is also directed by Giancarlo Volpe. Giancarlo Volpe, Ken, just directs the hell out of Clone Wars. He comes up all the time. He is, uh, he is, uh, I want to study him more. He's really good and uh, love his, uh, love his work. Yeah, when I was uh, putting together the the book, uh, I wrote like, you know, I'd list the writers and the directors as well. And like his name just constantly came up and you're like, wow, this guy's everywhere in these key episodes. Yeah, yeah. So good job, Giancarlo Volpe. Uh, Giancarlo Volpe, thank you for all the directing you have done. We're going to get into uh, the summary, Ken. Uh, but first, uh, I have an, a sound effect that I added. Uh, it goes, Awooga. <laughs> <laughs> and that is the warning noise. Uh, I was going to, I had this prepped for some episodes that are coming up, and then I realized that it applied to these episodes. Uh, mm. I, I just think that we should share with the audience that these episodes of the Clone Wars, like some others coming down the line, are blatantly and thoroughly political episodes, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we've talked about this a, a lot in the last, you know, year, really, when different stuff has come, in, come up that, you know, we, in general, understand that some people like to approach Star Wars as an escape from the real world. Uh, and then there's those moments that are difficult to get away from the real world, yeah. like when Lucas and company writes episodes like these that are basically uh, civics lessons about their opinions about uh, political <laughs> structure <laughs> and dynamics. Uh, and I, I just wanted to add that kind of caveat at the top that, you know, I don't think you and I are going to be do, doing a bunch of compare and contrast to the real world, but it might come up a little bit. And if that's not for you, we respect that. We would just want to warn listeners at the top. These are blatantly political episodes. Yeah, these are uh, what's what's the old law and order tag a rip from the headlines. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, ripped from the the opinions of the of the creators for sure, and and sometimes yeah. yes, uh, the headlines. Uh, these episodes ripped from past, present, and future headlines. I think. Yeah. No. Really. Absolutely. Excellent. Excellent. So with that, we'll get into the summary. Corruption. Mandalore has supply problems because trade lines have been cut off by the war and uh, the Mandalorian system is kind of being ostracized by the Republic for staying neutral in the war. Due to this, Mandalore is experiencing supply shortages, which in turn create greed, corruption, and a dangerous black market. Senator Padme Amidala makes a diplomatic visit to help her friend Duchess Satine, ruler of Mandalore, a visit that quickly becomes aggressive diplomacy with a blaster. Together, Padme and Satine discover Mugen tea is being diluted with Slavin, accidentally poisoning the bottled drink, which is, interestingly, super popular with kids at school. Uh, Padme and Satine share a love of getting directly involved, so they track the conspirators and burn their factory to the ground. Suspecting a larger conspiracy, Satine requests the assistance of a Jedi. The Jedi Council sends Ahsoka, who begins teaching classes on the cycle of corruption and a citizen's job to disrupt it. Inspired by Ahsoka's lessons, Satine's nephew, Cadet Corky, and several friends make a shocking discovery. There is no true food shortage. Food is being withheld to increase black market profits. With Ahsoka's help, the kids uncover the true traitor, 
Prime Minister Almec. Then uh, the loathsome Almec has uh, arrested Satine, framing her as a traitor, but the cadets in Ahsoka stage a daring plan to rescue Satine. Several failed mind tricks and painful shock callers later, the tables are turned. Satine is freed, Almec is arrested, and justice is restored on Mandalore for now. Bum, bum, bum. Mm-hmm. That is, that is a lot. Every episode, your breakdowns are so great, but this one, there's a lot of little beats, including, uh, yeah, down to the drinks, which, by the way, are awesome and look like uh, Sprite and 7-Up. And, uh, and no, there's a lot going on. In this. Yeah, yeah, there's sort of like a tea version of uh, vitamin water. I don't know what it is. We'll, we'll have some uh, fun discussing the Mugen tea, which I expect to be sold at Galaxy's Edge. I understand it'd be a hard sale. Huh? Like, drink the poison tea yeah. from the Clone Wars. <laughs> so uh ken let's get into it what was your overall reaction to these episodes did you love them like them struggle with them major change from when you've watched them before where'd you go i would say um i'd say a solid a solid like a solid like um only because i, I think there's kind of the over overlooked parts of all the mandalorian clone wars content which is much heralded for good reasons and, and you think of the big the big things, Satine and Obi-Wan and the death and Maul and all those kind of things. And then there these, these two, I want to say quiet episodes, but the two episodes come swinging in, which I think in many ways are, are, are equally as important to the story of Mandalore in the Clone Wars, but I think they could overlook. So uh, that all that to say, the, these, these two specific episodes don't necessarily pop for me like the other ones do because of all the reasons listed, but I, I really celebrate these episodes for succeeding uh, and, and bringing three great characters and putting them in the spotlight together. And that's Padme and Satine. And then, and then maybe you could say Satine and Ahsoka and all three of them together. We really love these characters here. I think Star Wars fans, specifically Clone Wars characters, really love, uh, fans love these characters, I should say. Uh, and I love seeing all that stuff together. So that, and then I kind of see these two episodes, and you touched upon earlier in your uh, Awuga Awuga award. <laughs> they take some of the political and moral themes of Star Wars they just kind of serve them up on a silver platter. Uh, again, whether you, however you want to engage with them or what you want to take from them or what you want to throw at them, if you're upset, <laughs> it's there for you. And, and it's corruption, it's greed, and it's power po- poisoning, uh, poisoning the ranks of, of those you want to trust. It also has phrases and terms and words like trade routes and corporate alliances <laughs> and school budgets. And, uh, and it's all, to me, boils down to the power of the next generation as well. And I, I think that's why these episodes uh, are, are do very much work for me, even if I don't remember them off the top of my head about, oh, yeah, yeah, the Mugen poison tea. Yeah, I don't remember that. These episodes work on those levels. Yeah, no, I agree with everything you're saying. I really enjoyed both these episodes. Um, I remember watching them the first time around. And I was, uh, you know, I, I was excited to watch the Clone Wars. I was enjoying it. And I was so excited to get to when is Maul going to return? And I was like, OK, <laughs> some uh, political intrigue and tea. Got it. Got it. OK. Uh, but since then, since that first viewing, mm-hmm. I've enjoyed these episodes more and more for a lot of the reasons that you're talking about. Uh, it's interesting to me now, you know, as a big fan of the themes and kind of like just thinking about what is Star Wars? What are all the ingredients that make it Star Wars? They're fascinating to me because Star Wars can lead hard into the fantasy and the fun and the action, but then it can also really lean into sort of the realism within space fantasy, right? And and the, these episodes are so great to be like, okay, this goes all the way from from 
mysterious bounty hunter, uh, Boba Fett, that he's a Mandalorian, his armor, mystery. And then we go all the way from that over to here. Of Now we're on the, the Mandalorian home planet, and it is all about, uh, you know, the school budget and how that uh, relates to greed. And it's so just grounded in realism, you know, um, yeah. that it, it, it's a fascinating journey to just look at these episodes as one of the extremes of what Star Wars can be. Um, mm-hmm. I really also love it as a chance to really not just spotlight the women characters, because we do get a, a Satine teams up with Padme, then we get Satine uh, kind of uh, teams up with Ahsoka. So it's not just like a spotlight. It's the fact that the the men are largely removed and it is just these women having relationships with each other, which I think makes them even more uh, unique right. and interesting. Um, I also just really like that there's this general idea floating around in Star Wars and floating around in this whole Clone Wars era that one of the ways that the force is out of balance is that, yeah, the dark side always exists. There's always some pain. There's always some suffering and loss. But by creating the Clone Wars, uh, Palpatine Sidious absolutely accelerates that dark side across the galaxy. And, And the dark side isn't just... Uh, you know, scary people with red lightsabers. Mm-hmm. It's things like this. The the everything that's happening in these episodes is caused by the war, right? Yeah. It's corruption. It's hunger. It's pain. It's temptation to violence because of the disruption. This is an example of you know if I'm you know in the future kind of make that observation that hey, Sidious really unbalanced the force by starting the Clone Wars, not just the war, but all the effects. Here's this really incredibly real world crunchy specific mm-hmm. example of the dark side at work in a in a realistic way it's still fantasy but it's just so grounded in realism you know yeah no gosh you're saying a lot there that i love of this idea of, of the actual i mean there's there's a lot i'll take it back to even the beginning some of the satine stuff this ties into the last time we see her she want you know wants uh you know she's a pacifist who wants this neutrality and she kind of gets it and this is then this is the underbelly of, of, of making that work or or the struggle for it it's very realistic i i've said this quote before but uh, paraphrase it of george r. r martin saying hey tolkien never had to write about aragorn's tax policies and, and he <laughs> loves it and i and i can go both ways right you know i i love my fantasy lord of the rings and i don't want to see that nitty gritty stuff and then i i do love the other side of you know, the riot in season two of Game of Thrones is about the the, the small folk being hungry and angry and frustrated and, and looked down upon. And all those are realistic. And this is a Star Wars version of it as well. And that's the Pal- Palpatine has the cloak and the cape and the red lightsaber. But he that's not exactly how he wins. It's this stuff that wins. And you and I talk a lot about it. And, and I get sometimes grumpy when I'm not on Force Center. Sometimes I, I just say little catchphrases that are from our show. And because uh, bo- I try to boil it down to, to folks out there. I get a little grumpy when I hear there's no villain in Solo. And I, I understand that. But I, I have always said, because and you really highlighted coming right out of the movie, Joseph, just the, the villain is the Empire. It's the oppressive foot of the Empire. And you're watching Solo and you're seeing it in a very realistic way. Down to the destruction of uh, Han's family structure because the industry's falling apart. And it, it, that's, and this, this, these episodes, this is why I say it, it it's, it's, it's really taking the big themes of Star Wars and just going here, here. Do you see? You get it? This is part of it. This is part of the big picture and it's down to a micro level. Yeah. And it's so fascinating just in terms of that question of what is Star Wars? Who is it for? You know, um, obviously it's for people of all ages because people of all ages enjoy it. So that's that proof. Uh, but 
then to go to that very Lucas perspective of him literally uh, turning out to a, you know, crowd of thousands of all ages and going, it's for 12 year olds. (laughs) You know, there's that great tension in this episode that on one hand, you can imagine a 12 year old sitting down to watch this. And it is kind of complex and it does just walk through uh, the the chain of who would be responsible for the production and monitoring of a tea drink and who gets to approve that and mm-hmm. why and, uh, you know, h- how can those systems be bent? And you can see a 12 year old going, where's the lightsaber? But then at the same time, these might be some of the most didactic 12 year old, like didactic episodes, just speaking to a 12 year old, right? Like. Yeah. Uh, Ahsoka is giving a lesson to those kids in the school, but she is practically just looking to the camera and giving a lesson to the kids watching Clone Wars, right? Yeah. 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 (laughs) So it's got this great tension of like, it is in some ways you could look at these episodes and go, these are some of the more adult episodes that deal with complex structures of power. Uh, But also there's some of, as you're saying, just served up on a silver uh, platter in the most direct way possible. Yeah. And and I I don't mean that in a negative way. I don't mean that even in a super positive way. It's just there. It's just there for the, in these episodes, even when I was going to bring it up later, but I'll touch upon it now. You mentioned children, fans of all ages, how they interact with Star Wars. Um, Ahsoka's lightsaber is literally taken away from her. (laughs) No, no, we don't, that, that cool weapon. No, no, no. You have to do this without that. And it's like literally part of the story. Yeah. So this this does not uh, save every uh, solve every problem, right? Yeah. Right. And look, so much to the yeah. point where we're going to take it away. Yeah. Yeah. Obi Wan is right. This weapon is your life. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. You know, Ahsoka's got some thoughts. She's lost her lightsaber before, as we know. <laughs> Very recently. Very Poor recently. Ahsoka. <laughs> uh, but this one. Imagine her going. I just. I just. Me and Tara Sadubi. All right. Here you go. <laughs> This will come up again when we talk about uh, things that uh, yeah. that we were a little challenged by. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so let's get into the morals of the episode. I think the morals are relatively direct, too. The moral of the first episode in this arc is the challenge of hope is to overcome corruption. And the second is those who enforce the law must obey the law. Ken, where do you go with those? <laughs> Oh, where do I go? Indeed. <laughs> There's a quote from Satine. Uh, I think I think it actually in the second episode. I wrote it down. I didn't uh, attribute it to an, uh, an episode. Uh, she says uh, the most dangerous weapon in the galaxy is money. And you could it's a general thought, but I, I think it goes into a lot of spots and, and money, power, whatever it might be. And I just I look at the idea of uh, the challenge of hope is to overcome corruption. And I go a lot of different ways on that. So this is the top, the ways of, of money and greed and, and, and human beings and, and alien species in Star Wars. I say that in general sense. See, real world bleeding in already. <laughs> and, and I think the, the corruption could also – I took it like this, Joseph. It, it can even go down to a smaller micro level of you've got hope, but sometimes that corruption – might just be you undercutting yourself and not fully believing in hope or having that hope tested and stepping away, or doubting yourself and seeing what's there and not doing anything about it and just kind of shrugging your shoulders. Apathy. Apathy might is, is a dangerous thing. It's a bit of problem in my life. Professionally, personally, um, there's a fine line between stoic and ac- apathetic. Um, <laughs> and it's all there. So I took I took that specific moral that way. The second one, you know, I'm going to say it's pretty clear. Yeah, no, I mean, I think uh, I think this one is as clear as like most tables have four legs like, uh huh. Yes. Uh, But I mean, but it is also like important, right? Those who enforce the law must obey the law. It is one of those. uh, I think what I appreciate about it, it's one of those 
morals that you would say to anybody and they would go, well, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. But then the challenge comes when, when that's happening, how do you prevent it? How do you get people to believe? How do you get people to uh, reframe their, their thoughts about authority? Right. And, and there's even some of that in the episode, which we'll get into of the absolute faith in Almec. Well, he's the prime minister, so he has to be safe. And like, you know, and I think yeah. even though the moral is very direct, it's one of those great things that's that's extremely yeah. direct. I think most people just agree with it. But yeah. then the reality of dealing with it is much more complex. Well, yeah, yeah. And and maybe this is maybe too specific for this part of our conversation. But the uh, the police chief character in there uh, who has that kind of like not on my watch. And and, and you know what? And I, I would consider him probably a, a good dude. Who, who probably wakes up every day with with a good goal in his heart, but 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 doesn't realize that that's part of the corruption I'm talking about on, on a level where the the old uh, not nah, I'm not doing it, but what are you going to do about those that are doing it is is an important question. And yeah, I think he's a great example of a character who who does do some heroic things when when pressed, but it ne- he needs to be pressed. And that might yeah, be no, same that that one really jumped out at me and I was so curious to, to hear what your thoughts were the that quote is uh, the docks are a highly secure area free of dangerous criminals yeah. and it is like wow you are really assuming that crime can only come from you know <laughs> bounty hunters wearing armor being sneaky you know like that yeah. idea that like well crime doesn't happen from us you know right. and you know not to put too fine of a point on it but the the episode names those Mandalorian security forces as police. You know, it's it's one of those moments yeah, right. where yeah. <laughs> the observation is is not even hiding behind a word like security forces. You know, yeah, it, well, I think it, it is a a criticism that force the, you know you know what's that or force nights <laughs> or force nights. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, just that that observation that those who enforce the law must obey the law. Yeah, we all agree with that, except for then we have immediately have this uh, police captain who's going like. Well, none of my people could do crime because we're the law. Right. It's yeah. not possible. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and that, and that goes into a lot of different areas, uh, leadership and everything. Yeah. And, and I think it's, I think that's, it's important to note and, and a great example on episode. Yeah. And, and then go back to that first one for me. I really love what you're saying. The challenge of hope is to overcome corruption. It's nice and in, in literal, right? Like Padme kind of comes in and, in. Uh, both uh, she and Satine are people who are, you know, realists. They admit when there are problems, uh, but they really try to use hope, it, you know, is a springboard to to overcome uh, overcome this. And I think, you know, Satine is dealing with corruption in, in Padme's, I think, in this episode, giving her that burst of hope. But then I really take it on this uh, emotional level, too, where, you know, you talk about apathy or just uh, cynicism mm-hmm. and that idea that, you encounter people in life, <laughs> sometimes I encounter myself, where you get that cynical, right? And you're just like, everybody does it. You know, the yeah. the the goody two-shoes, follow the rules, don't take a little bribe on the side, you know, mm-hmm. don't be naive. Everybody does it. So let's just, you know, let's just all do it. Uh, and then in contrast to that of like, look, I'm a realist. I know the way the world is. I'm not a naive fool. You can feel like a naive fool when you're like, but I hope for better. <laughs> yeah. Right. But maybe, maybe there could be a world where we do all follow the laws, you know, can make you feel yeah. like you're foolish and naive. And I think that to me is where this moral speaks of yeah. the challenge of remaining hopeful is saying, I fully acknowledge <laughs> the reality, but I'm, I'm going to try to make a change and not just stop at, you know, Hey, everybody's doing it, which, you know, I, I really love. Cause again, it connects to, 
the Sith perspective, the, that great uh, opera scene, opera box scene in Revenge of the Sith, that that's where Palpatine really starts his argument to uh, Anakin of like both the Jedi and the Sith crave power. They're both the same. So why not just do some Sith stuff? And that's kind of what's going on here, but with dock workers. <laughs> I see you and I are going to be diving into uh, uh, Alphabet Squadron victories prize soon. And I, I, I don't, I think, I don't know how far along you are. Uh, you and I are reading it still. We, we take our time with some of those books. So I'm, I, I'm very hard. I'm not spoiling it. I try not to spoil anything for anybody out there <laughs> listening. There's a giant, what I think is kind of giant minor revelation about Palpatine and the Empire and those messenger droids that ties into this base level micro everyone's doing it kind of corruption and and it's and it's and it's interesting to hear you discuss that and we're not here to discuss that that book but to hear you discuss it in terms of the sith and the little things and how this whole episode is dark red lightsabers and cloaks and unlimited power and uh dark workers taking bribes it's and it's all uh, on the same scale it just slides up and down yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I am, I think, right on the door of that revelation right now. The characters yeah. in Victory's Price are chasing that revelation, so I can't wait to get okay. to it. Okay, I'm sorry. I hope, I really hope I didn't. It's huge. It's, it's, yeah. Okay, I'm gonna shut up. No, 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 no. That's great. Uh, that only, that only makes me want to read faster, uh, which I will be doing. Uh, no, no, no apologies necessary. I do not consider that a spoiler. Um, so let's, uh, we've already been diving into some of the big ideas. Let, let's get into this. Uh, you know, I'm going to throw out the the way that I thought of this, Ken, yeah. uh, what the, the big ideas are at stake, just because it's what we're already talking about and, and see where else uh, we go with it. Uh, to me, you know, I looked at this and was like, yeah, this episode is blatantly about corruption. It's blatantly about greed. It's it's very clear. But what, I, what kept resonating for me is uh, the turn of phrase that, the dark side is for everyone. <laughs> yes. Which is just e- exactly what we were just talking about. In particular, you know, we know the the dark side story that uh, the trap of the dark side is you have a lust for power and then you want unlimited power and you're willing to do anything and then you can never uh, actually get unlimited power you just want more and whatever you have you're not happy with and it's just you're trapped in this awful circle and i love how this episode shows that doesn't just happen uh to cool armored people uh with red lightsabers it shows how greed and a lust for power and i think money as a form of power just can corrupt individuals and entire systems of government uh in a just kind of real everyday way the same way that Anakin fell in, you know, screaming in lava and <laughs> reborn as Darth Vader. You know, it's not as dramatic, but it's the same process. It's the same motivation. Yes. Uh, yes. We're right there on that same stuff. It is so, it's just so realistic again. And, and it's, this is a space fantasy we all love and, and unlimited power with line we love and we love to reference it. it. It all slides on down to this. Like I keep saying, I love, I love that you said that. Yeah, and I liked the, like just kind of is a, is a, an example in Ahsoka's class. She has this specific line when one of the kids asks, "Are uh, all officials corrupt?" And Ahsoka says, "Well, no, but the point is that temptation yeah. is always there, and citizens must be vigilant so corruption can't take root." Mm-hmm. And you know that's a great line all by itself. But I just love stripping it away and going, "Hey, well, you could imagine, you know, just." Obi-Wan saying that to young Anakin is a description of the dark side, right? Totally. Absolutely. 
Yeah. Um, and then the other, the kind of the balance to that for me is if this was kind of showing us, uh, ep- this episode was showing us how lust and greed and, and corruption, uh, lust for power is something that can happen to anyone. It's also showing us how the, the heroes can kind of use the light side uh, in the tenets of the light side, even without being Jedi, right? Because the yeah. episodes are all about collecting knowledge that we need to know what's actually going on and who is doing what so we can get to the heart of it. And in both of these episodes, when violence is used very occasionally, it's always for defense. So it was really cool that it, it's not just the kind of the everyday version of the dark side that we get to see. We also get to see a little bit of the everyday version of the light side of the force. Totally. And I think there's some moments where Tara Sinue would be like, that's, that's absolutely right. Ahsoka. <laughs> oh, that's not his voice. <laughs> Good job, Ahsoka. Yeah. I, I love Ahsoka's line. It's, it's every citizen's duty to challenge their leaders, to keep them honest and hold them accountable. If they're not, it seemed like a, a real uh, Jedi line. Yeah. Uh, where did you go with uh, with big picture ideas? How did you think about it? Well, yeah, so you know, I went. Uh, here's why I'm going to actually move some of my down, some of my takes down to the next conversation. And I'm, <laughs> what I did, the question we always ask ourselves is, what was the big theme, and what ideas are at stake in this episode? So I went this direction. Hope is a big theme of Star Wars, and this we know, and we can make fun of how many times, uh, not make fun, but just highlight how many times in Rogue One they say hope and all those kind of things. <laughs> But to me, this episode shows that the that the very core of that uh, of Star Wars is hope, and that's at stake. And and what reason it's at stake is is if you get your faith in the system is shook, if your faith in your ability to change the, the system should falter, and you're shook from that, and in your faith in those around you, that's very hard to continue with the hope. And we always refer to Padme, but as of a moral compass around these parts. Thanks for uh, coining that uh, description for us, Joseph. But uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm making her like a medieval name here. Had made the steadfast, right? Yeah. And I love that little dinner scene. First of all, just great. Again, Padme and Satine just kind of having dinner. Uh, two powerful characters uh, trying to do right in the galaxy. And I love that dinner scene. But Padme really expresses how hard it is to remain that way. Hope is a choice, and it's a hard one. And Star Wars isn't just selling selling a bumper sticker philosophy. It's not the cat in the poster saying, hang in there and have hope. It's going, no, everything is built on hope, but that's a hard thing to wake up and do every day because that corruption is all around you. Or sometimes the corruption is in you on a micro level or you fail in a choice. And so that's why these, that, that big theme of hope is at stake in these episodes for me. I love that. I think that's a, a great observation. I love that you went to the dinner scene, which is so great with their little cubes of Mandalorian uh, food yeah. and a, a large uh, bar behind them, which is great. Uh, but I I wrote down the line where like, you know, Satine, much like in her relationship with Obi-Wan, is not holding back in her conversation with Padme. And she yeah. says, you know, the contamination of greed reaches deep and far within the Republic. Uh, corporations, trade guilds, too many senators serving their own interests. Satine is saying this very strongly toward her friend, the senator. And you can imagine a version of this where Padme gets defensive. And there's none of that. Padme just totally acknowledges the corruption and hopes to work past it. And I I love that moment where it is that picture of Padme, not as you're saying, not as naive, but saying, yep, things are really bad. And I'm still just hoping we can get them to work better in the Senate, you know, Mm. and continues to be that, that picture of, um, how things could have or should have worked out, get the Republic to function again, uh, get policies that care about helping people 
above all else and act on them, you know? Mm. And I think another fun part of this episode is that Satine and Padme get personally involved. Like there's some, there's some fun uh, jokes about how uh, they don't like uh, just going to meetings. They want to <laughs> run around with their blasters, <laughs> yep. uh, which is some, just some great fun Star Wars uh, dialogue and observation. But also I just, for me, this seems like a, a critique of, of politics. Obviously Lucas has a long history of critiquing organizations that, you know, get uh, sort of institutional rot and don't function and don't move and don't take action. So I think having a, a really political episode where it's like, and the leaders acknowledge a problem and then they go actively fix them to the point where the two leaders are literally sneaking through, you know, warehouses. Right. Uh, I think that's just, that's such an important part of Star Wars too, that it can advocate hope, but then it advocates you know, when possible, nonviolent action, but definitely taking action. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. No, we'll say their action. It's, 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 it's also fun for me to just see like leaders and political leaders. Like, you know, what if Biden was like, um, grab my uh, rifle. I'm going in. Like, what, what? <laughs> again, it's such a medieval thing of like the, the, the king rides at the front. Wouldn't you want him back at the castle safely? I don't know. Uh, so I love seeing them just like, yeah, we like this. This is also part of it. And it is uh, fun Star Wars, but it's also like you said, it's a it's important action taken from these leaders. Active choice to fight for hope. Yeah. And I mean, I, and I think I, the way I take it for like real world stuff isn't like, yes, all all senators uh, should be, uh, you know, down at the docks checking for, checking for crime. But it's, to me, it's this heightened, uh, you know, space uh, opera version of don't just give a speech. Yeah. You know, go down and meet with your constituents. If your constituents say, Hey, something bad is happening. Go visit with the press, go there, do things. Don't just speechify and hide behind in your office, you know? Agreed. Yeah. Same. Uh, so, uh, a couple other things that that I wanted to touch on. Um, I I thought it was great that there were just a a lot of just very real world examples of corruption. Like I thought that that was, you know, it, it makes that first episode really different. Um, for star Wars, but I thought it was powerful that it didn't just say, Hey, some bad things are happening, but actually, you know, works through it in this way. That's so, um, real world that it's almost funny that, you know, we're dealing with, you know, a superintendent, um, you know, yeah. who, who thinks the school budget is too low, like you said, yeah. but I, I think particularly what, what popped out for me, which I wanted to highlight is there's multiple moments where a person is, is, uh, acting on greed but they also share their larger intentions as if that makes the greed okay. Mm. And I, I, that was an interesting parallel to the Sith too, where Anakin doesn't in Revenge of Sith doesn't, doesn't just fall and go, I know everything I'm doing is awful, but I have to do it for Padme. Mm. He immediately starts justifying it. He immediately right. says, yeah, no, the Jedi uh, will hunt us. No, actually what I'm doing is I, I'm actually bringing uh, peace. It, it's going to be better for everyone under my new empire. Uh, and we get that in this very real world way too, where the superintendent is uh, saying, "Hey, look, what a, it's the budget, and right, right. I have to buy from the black market." Yeah, I'm also taking a cut. And then Almec, even once he's caught, is like, uh, "No, I'm going to spend the money on humanitarian things for Mandalore." I'm like, no, you're not. You're pocketing it, dude. But yeah, the fact that yeah. these aren't like black and white villains, right? This isn't 
you know, uh, not that Dr. Doom is a black and white villain, but it's not like a Dr. Doom moment where he's just like, I don't like Connecticut, so I'm going to blow it up. Screw you all. You know, like these are people who are still trying to uh, justify and equivocate. Yeah, no, I look in terms of Anakin, just man, I wish there was a Star Wars therapist you could have spent some time with. And maybe they should have been the Jedi. Quite frankly, I'm not, I'm not even joking about that. Like, you know, it's like if you got to the root core of the issue, you could have addressed the fear and overcome it or grown from it or learned to uh, exist with it and, and not have it dominate you. Uh, that's 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 one. I think it's a wonderful observation. Those, those little it's the, it's the chips uh, away at the foundation that you stand on uh, is what you're kind of talking about in my mind. Yeah, yeah, and I think just just bringing it to a point of of realism because mm-hmm. I will totally cop to it. You know, uh, mistakes that I have made that, uh, upon reflection, you know, I feel guilty about. I look back and I was like, "Ooh, I did justify that not just out loud to other people, but I justified it to myself." Mm-hmm. Well, deep down, I knew that I was doing something that is not great. You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I want it on the record. I have never sold poisoned tea, uh, but just even like, you know, interpersonal relationship things yeah. where you're justifying being selfish or, you know, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Oh, uh, it, it really hits home. I think it's a really honest observation about all of us is that we try to lie to others and ourselves sometimes to, you know, not accept the responsibility for some of the not great choices we make. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, I will stop pontificating on that one. We'll move on. Uh, I had another big picture idea that I think you and I are probably aligned on. Yeah. And that is this big idea that's, that's in the second episode, I think, which is really about passing knowledge to the next generation, right? Uh, let's see. I, I think I literally wrote that down. Uh, <laughs> uh, pretty much, yes. Yeah, what are your thoughts on that? I, I wrote Ahsoka is without her weapon, though she should consider that her life again, paying homage to Obi-Wan. Uh, really, it's her knowledge that becomes the, the tools for others, and, and she learns to teach. This is very important. This is one of those examples of the the, the Padawan learning the, the importance of uh, prepping the next generation. And uh, I think that's one of the big things in this episode that reflects kind of the larger Star Wars story. But yeah, right there with you on that. Yeah, yeah. I love that Yoda is the one who assigns Ahsoka specifically yeah. to, you know, teach at the Royal Academy of Government to, you know, help break the cycle specifically, like Anakin says. And obviously this was Satine. Satine was a part of this plan, you know, but Yoda uh, picks Ahsoka because she's young and maybe a young person can help them uh, break the cycle. Uh, So that that very clear idea that it's not just corruption or it's not just violence. It's things like corruptions that we get into the cycle that that makes us feel like, well, everybody's I I observed everybody do behaving that way. So then I learned to behave that way Mm kind of thing is really powerful. Uh, I like that moment where Satine uh, tells uh, Corky and the gang uh, that there will be time to save the world when you're a bit older. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is like, you know, Satine, I think, trying to be good and protect them. Yeah, but yeah. also like really pointing out like, no, but but if you're if you're teaching them to to act, that they're they're going to act. And then, um, you know, I, I like that little button at the end where it, it really I think it's quite clear, but it's really driving it home that Ahsoka is growing. She is having these missions on her own, coming to these epiphanies on her own. And, and Anakin's kind of uh, teasing her about this adventure she had. And she's like, nothing you wouldn't have done, you know, which seems to me like uh, the good part of passing on knowledge to the next generation, a good moment between Anakin and Ahsoka. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I wrote down note, the note too of uh, this is the, the breaking of cycles, and you mentioned uh, that uh, there as well, and the generations, and and also a, a submission to what came before or how it was done, which is something I can 
fight against a lot too. And I remember I, I battling an old uh, a boss at my old job of uh, to come in, new company took us over, and you know I was good at my job and been there a while. And there was a lot of those conversations, uh, and, and a lot of times my answer was, "Well, that's because that's what we do." Why? Why? Why do you do that? Why can't we do it this way? And, and, and I think it's a, all part of it. And, and again, when I talk about the, the corruption of the heart, doesn't mean I'm corrupt. It just means like that. Then you allow to, to you analyze the system, look for better ways. It's not just in terms of business product, productivity, but the culture. Because we were having conversations about the culture around the office and the, the department and the things we were doing. And that was a lot of, and so so this episode kind of rings for that too. And, it, and, and I think Ahsoka is, Part of her lesson is that a lot of it is this big stuff about corruption and your leaders and hold them, hold them to task and, and, and as you should, but also a little bit of just like, as you grow up, you, you, you have the power to, to change now. You can't change from before. You can only change forward and, and, and always analyze that kind of stuff. And I, I think it's, it's all in those little uh, Ahsoka school lessons there. Yeah. Yeah. Which are yeah nice, nice and clear. Um, let's talk about the how the uh, themes of these episodes reflect larger story, morality, perspective of Star Wars. What do you think in there? Oh, this is where my list gets so long. I apologize. I, I'm not going <laughs> to list them all. Um, so I, I put this idea to I'll start here. Uh, the battles aren't necessarily over, and Satine got neutrality. Right? I mean, it's kind of like the thing, right? She, she the, the last time we see her, there's attempts on her life, and everything things have seemed to have calmed down, and uh, they're the, the remaining neutral from the war, all those kind of things. And yay, victory. But but it, it, it didn't end. The battles don't necessarily end. And I think for me, this ties in to uh, some of the things that we see, even in the sequel trilogy, going to Force Awakens of just like, we got kind of like Empire Mark II. We got like TIE Fighters and Walkers and another Death Star. And you can analyze that in, in a very film critical way. And, you know, sometimes I still wish there wasn't a, a third larger planet Death Star, though I love Elam <laughs> and I love I love uh, Starkiller Base. I really do. I can have those conversations too. But I think the point, and you and I have talked about a lot here, and Jennifer as well, just like when you're not careful, the same evils will return, or maybe they don't even really go away. And 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 the, and the war isn't necessarily over. Sometimes, literally, the war isn't over. And I and I love. I, to me, I start here. Just you watch the team. Um, she didn't like great that that was over. Let's have some cube cube cakes and celebrate. <laughs> it's still going and, and you have to remain vigilant. And, and again, uh, and that makes it harder to keep hope alive, I guess. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point and a really good observation that it, it does tie to that, that you have to kind of hold on to uh, the victories that you achieve. Yeah. And you're so right that it, in some ways it's a, it's an aesthetic question almost with the, the TIE fighters and the, the yeah. third large planet uh, death ball. Is there a different way to express it? is a great question that I sometimes wrestle with, but mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I never wrestle with the expression of, yeah, no, um, the, the threats are going to return if you don't find a way, uh, to deal with them. And I think mm -hmm. the, the story in these episodes about the citizens really taking responsibility, Ahsoka kind of lectures that the citizens should take responsibility and, and Corky and the gang, uh, do. And that's what helps bring down Almec for now that uh, that really made me think of the citizens fleet in in rise of skywalker yeah, so, okay yeah okay so i wrote down uh lasting change can only come from within i, I believe that's actually said in this episode right um uh and it may immediately made me think of episode nine and, and and why we celebrate that as a as a complete victory for leia not that the rebellion toppled on the empire on endor and beyond for a couple of years after 
isn't a victory of its own sword and a, v- a very important victory. It's the one that maybe changes the story there, but that's the episode nine thing you and I always go to. And there's more of us, Poe, there's more of us. And, and, and it, it, it really does come from within and it comes from everybody. And then therefore it's more impactful and maybe more lasting. Yeah. And, and think about the amount of what probably felt like naive hope that Lando, whatever Lando's amazing speech was, yeah. that he had to push through to get that many ships to come, right? To to believe there's more of us. We are stronger together. We can do this. It doesn't have to go the way it has before, you know? Yeah. Uh, that that really ties ties to this. Um, I like that you really focused on uh, maybe some of the light side perspectives. Uh, the kind of big thing that I focused on as is um, Prime Minister Olmec as bargain basement Palpatine. <laughs> Like, 100% my friend <laughs> right um just you know the literal uh, uh seeing him in the hood um mm-hmm. the real specific line from Ahsoka in her classroom of the deadliest enemies of a society dwell within its borders and uh, from these e- internal threats the people need to be protected right I mean that's just that's the story of what happens to the Republic that's the story of Lucas really saying like I wanted to show you know, great societies aren't conquered from, you know, the, the terrifying outsiders. We, we, you know, conquer ourselves uh, with corruption and greed and all these things. Yeah. And it just, it's this micro version of what happens to the Republic. And there's just sort of the sadness that the Jedi are not able to do in the big picture, aren't able to do what Ahsoka does in this micro version, which is, you know, trace the corruption, find the person under the hood and hold them accountable before the corruption spreads even farther. I, just, it, it, I think it goes to my, one of my opening statements of, of the, all, all of this being served up on a silver platter. I, I almost and we, we've had a little bit of these conversations before on, on Columbus Report, but I, I, it's almost like this. This is the story right here. Look at these two episodes. This is the, including the guy in the cloak. This is the story, and this is an option of what maybe how they could have dealt with it. I, I t- totally agree with you on that. Yeah, so is it was bittersweet, especially that moment where she's got the little uh, detector and she can see his face under the cloak. It's like, let's talk, we we need we need every Jedi out with those. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, which gets into a larger question of you know Jedi probably shouldn't just go around scanning anyone under hood. Anyway, uh, I also like to always keep track of uh, kind of how the war is going. Mm-hmm. And I really liked that, you know, as you and I have been watching, we've been noting in a way I haven't before how much the Jedi, that first season, we really follow the ups and downs of the war. And then we get into the second season and the Jedi are retaking things and they're commenting on it's taking so much longer than we thought. And we're kind of, you know, one step forward, two steps back. And that's that confirmation is continued here in this third season episode uh, when at that great dinner scene, Padme says, the chancellor keeps reporting that the war is going well, but my sources tell me otherwise. How did you take that? Uh, exactly what you talk about. It, 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 this is the, um, it's just a, a cluster beep of, of a war going. Uh, <laughs> and, and and how the, the, I think the original intentions or maybe some of the core uh, attentions of, of the Jedi to, to pick up their weapons and get to the front of those armies. I, I don't necessarily think they're bad in spirit, but it's, 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 we're here to analyze the, the, ramifications intentional or otherwise and, and i think that I, that's how i take it and and uh misinformation and confusion and, and all those kind of things and, and some of the other themes that i think reflect the larger story too yeah yeah um 
what other thoughts uh, do you have on the big picture? It's that kind of stuff. It, I, I distrust, uh, distrust can be weaponized. I, I put that down. I put greed as a weapon, corruption, the fire that, that spreads it. I, I think all of this reflects on Palpatine. That's why again, I, I jumped out of my socks when you said uh, Barkin based on Palpatine. It, it, this whole, these episodes are, are the Palpatine playbook. And, and it's very clear Palpatine is doing that. And distrust is, is, is being weaponized by him. And it's build, he's building towards the big Jedi thing. And the, the episode, you know, we talked about not too long ago where, where Soka's hanging on the Palpatine, uh, you know, speech being made on the video monitor. Mm-hmm. And it's him playing with it. Jedi are good. I don't know. I don't think they're doing anything wrong. And, and this, so Palpatine's doing that. And, and this is maybe more of the second episode of just when you have distrust is being weaponized. Greed is a weapon. Corruption's just everywhere inflaming it. The societal structures... Uh, I think are starting to break down. And that's why maybe not necessarily the laws and laws in the books, but just that idea of that, Hey, don't we have some inherent injustice? Isn't that going well? When that starts to crack, it goes back to my original thought of then the hope you, you lose faith in the system and hope uh, starts to fade. And, and, and I think that uh, galaxy wide is what's going on and it all ties together. Yeah. Yeah. And I think along that line, uh, this is, I wanted to come back to that line from the, the, captain who is talking about the docks i think that's part of the reason it was so effective to me because i think this argument from you know this era of star wars storytelling uh and explicitly from lucas in some interviews is this macro version but also that micro version of you know leaders like palpatine weaponize our fear of others mm-hmm. so we don't ever look at what we're what, what's happening maybe in our society you know yeah. And the fact that what the uh, what that captain is saying, who who probably means well and thinks he's doing his right. job, is that oh no, the the docks are totally locked down. There are no dangerous criminals there. Entirely framing it as like a criminal is some other that can be easily recognized because they're like from a cartoon and they have a bag from the bank with a dollar <laughs> bill on it. Right? There's it's yeah. an other that's a problem, and we've locked the docks down from others. Yeah, and not yeah. literally. Just the your neighbor who has fallen to cynicism, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Look, it, it's um, uh, I was having this discussion, you know, with some uh, uh, baseball fans of mine of just like you know these these are uh, we're in a fantasy baseball league and there's we had a, a new program and it was, we were kind of upset because um, one of the trophies awarded by this company this program was like ah oh, you the th- you throw like a girl thing and i was like well that's that's not and i wasn't the only one a lot of people were just like that's that's not good anymore we don't accept that anymore because while we're not in, in, you know overtly uh being sexist here that's the thing if you're not prepared to call that out that's how it grows the other thing doesn't is not necessarily how it grows as easily to me it's the, it's the thing in the weeds that you're not going oh well that's that's how we refer to something for years that had giant ramifications on a lot of people. And I think all that, and it's a weird Ken Brown and fantasy baseball conversation, but um, <laughs> it, it's that kind of stuff here. That's a, that's why I go to that police captain of uh, the, well, the docs are good. And yes, there's, there are the, uh, you know, mask wearing bank robbers <laughs> coming down. Yes. That's a thing we have to worry about too, but um, you're so focused on that. And, and it's just to, to, to not, um, uh, that's the breakdown is, is you're not looking around you when you might need to. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, Sorry, I, mean, I, I think this is, on a spot. I know, I know. No, this is great. I think this is a natural evolution because you've uh, brought up uh little league coaching a lot in, for yeah. baseball. So it's natural to evolve to, to fantasy baseball, which is great. Uh, as we're recording, it's opening day of, of baseball, right? 
Yeah, I, I have uh, MLB TV um, going on, but I actually had to turn it off because I don't trust my computer to do all things at once. So, <laughs> well, happy happy first baseball day. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. There it is a holiday <laughs> for me. Yes. Yeah, it's been nice to see all the joy uh, on online uh, for people who enjoy it. It's coming back. Uh, final thing for me in in this section is we uh, we like to track justice for the Jedi. Uh, track when they're making mistakes and and when they're trying to do well. I just thought it was really interesting and fun that Satine in the arc that that we met her in had lots of major and usually quite accurate criticisms of the Jedi, uh, but when she was uh, feeling like she couldn't trust anyone on Mandalore, she did still turn to the Jedi to root out corruption. And I love it kind of the end of the first episode. I even wrote down the note of like, okay, she wants a Jedi to come, but why? And then we kind of get the revelation at the end of the second episode. She's like, I knew if a Jedi would come, came here, they would just, they would see corruption and they would just do something about it. (laughs) And we would end up working together. But, I thought that was a good justice for the Jedi moment where even Satine, who has valid concerns, mm-hmm. knows that a Jedi, that most Jedi, if they see a problem, they're, they're going to take some kind of action. Yeah, indeed. And, 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 and the final thing is, you know, like I said, we talked about already, but without her weapon or without her weapon, it's a different kind of action. It's a knowledge, patience, based information gathering action. And, uh, and I love, I love that Ahsoka is the one doing it. Yeah, and it works out. Ahsoka stirs some stuff up, and uh, and the problems, the old Almec comes to the surface. Yeah. Uh, all right, with that, we're going to take a quick break, and then we will be back to discuss all of the fun moments, the action, the comedy, the canon connections, all that in just a moment. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, Force Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Force Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at JenniferLanda and on TikTok as JenniferLanda1138.
And we are back to finish our discussion of this two-episode arc, The Corruption, or Attempted Corruption, of Mandalore. We're going to get into some of our favorite beats and moments. Uh, Ken, there was some action. These weren't the most action-packed episodes. But there are definitely some moments of action in both these episodes. What were your favorite moments? Um, you know what? I, I wrote down... The, I, I think I wrote something similar in a, in a recent episode. In the first episode, specifically. I want uh, private investigator work to count as action. <laughs> Padme and Satine, uh, they're at dinner going, hey, let's get involved and going out and snooping and gathering this information and getting to the bottom of things. That itself is an action. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll accept uh, them clinking those great cocktail glasses together. It's yes. one of the best action moments. Yes. Um, I like there, there's a little explosion of action at the end, but I liked how minimal the action was. Again, almost like it was a choice. Like there's mm-hmm. that moment where I thought this is going to explode into action when the uh, superintendent realizes he's been caught deleting uh, the the records. And he jumps on that speeder and you think like, oh, a chase is going to happen. And then Satine's guards just pull their speeder forward like a uh, half a foot yeah. <laughs> and he slams into it. And it's um, it almost reads as a joke on like, this is not an action sequence. That's a superintendent. <laughs> and there's that great big, uh, you know, uh, squeaking sound as they pull him off the hood. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So I really like that. Um yeah, and then in that that actual kind of burst of of action at the end, where where Padme uh, uses a shipping uh, container as moving mm-hmm. cover, and you know, she blasts people, and people are like, "Damn, you're great with the blaster." Yeah. Uh, there's that one moment where Satine's guard jumps up and is deflecting blasts with the pike. Yes, yes, uh, is like in that. I forgot that happened in the background of one of the great uh, action scenes uh, on the, the Mandalore arc that we talked about previously with Satine. Mm-hmm. So that it's just cool to see, like, okay, that they're pacifists you know they're not going out and being hunters they're not uh you know absolutely defining themselves by violence uh, but they still got the skills yeah yeah no hope still needs to be paired with action is something we've been talking about here today and and, then i think there's some good stuff going on there uh love that love the shootout and something i listed too just and and, and look again i will make a slight justice for the, the the police chief character of like maybe a little late but the moment it's it's there he's in it Right. I forgot about that. I almost wrote that down for comedy of like, he's like, there could be no problem. And then he finds those two, two unmarked uh, cops who aren't going to listen to him. He's just like, what? And just punches <laughs> them both out. <laughs> it's comedy. No, it's comedy, but it's also some great action. Yeah. Well, and it, it's just also like, we are Mandalorians. We have pikes and armor and shields and like just pow, pow, two punches mm-hmm. of the face and they go down. Um, the, uh, in the second episode for me, uh, this is a weird one, but when the cadets are, uh, you know, trying to find out what's going on, they get lured into this extremely obvious trap by Almec and those unmarked Mandalorian police show up. I remember the first time I was watching it going, you know, this is this is an episode about, uh, you know, plucky kids. So they're probably going to, you know, lean under the Mandalorian police and one's going to push one. And it's mm-hmm. going to fall. And like, I kind of love that. It's like, great. They're they're smart and they're brave. But these police just knock the crap out of them. Yeah. 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 And it's not, it's not a thing. I, would, I think it would bother me more if Ahsoka didn't immediately uh, come in and, and take out um, all those police. But it, it was just that little balance of realism where like, it's great that the, that they're out there taking action and, and being brave and smart. Uh, but that's still really, really dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. Again, why, why, why Satine might've been like, yeah, you know, some other time, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how about for you? Anything in the second episode? Yeah, I, the the Ahsoka flying into action, a lot of stuff, and and, and we've already kind of highlighted it, but um, 
for a series for a franchise that in in, in 1983 said, "Hey, this guy is gonna this main character is gonna, gonna become a true hero when he puts down his weapon." Something George put in there mm-hmm. <laughs> to have uh, uh, a a Jedi be told, "Yeah, you, you thanks to Obi Wan last time, you got a hand over the blade <laughs> to have have Anakin take it home." And then uh, everything she's got to do is, is truly it's about gathering knowledge, using her f- skills for knowledge and, and then defense. And then but that but that defense is pretty damn cool. And she's got some skills. It's a weird fight. It, it, it's um, I wouldn't put any of these in my favorite Star Wars uh, Clone Wars fights. Uh, they're they're weird in their own way, but I love them. But they're very charming fights. And it's I just love Ahsoka getting her day and just kicking and jumping and flying and kicking butt. Yeah, yeah, it's really making the most of her uh, particular skills. And I think the other moment that I liked is, you know, when there is that turn when Almec really thinks he's got him uh, and, and Ahsoka is unleashed and the force throw of Almec is really satisfying. Almec's a, a really, oh, yeah, yeah. E- mm-hmm. even in the other arc, right, he's he's just kind of prickly and annoying and you don't trust him. And now you realize that he's bargain basement Palpatine and it's so satisfying when Ahsoka's like, Hey, yeah, you don't have my lightsaber. You think you have me surrounded, but hey, remember the force. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad you mentioned that. I forgot to write that down. It's a pretty satisfying thought. It's real satisfying. And then immediately followed up by, I like the ki- kids doing the elbow dives on the police. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, all right. So th- that's it for me for action. Anything else for you? No, it's pretty, like I said, uh, the action is uh, comes uh, in short little bursts, uh, but the good stuff. Yep, we listed pretty much all the moments of action. Uh, So we'll move on to moments of comedy, whimsy, weirdness. Uh, What do you got here? So I'm counting this as as whimsy, and whimsy is, you know, whimsical. And sometimes I think it's, you know, a a moment infused with joy. So that's why I'm putting Padme getting a Mandalorian welcome. It's not comedy. It's not weirdness. I I just think it is, uh, it's uh, real great that... uh, uh, this has happened and it's it, it's a justice for Padme in a lot of ways uh, for this character we love. And I just uh, thought it was a real feel good moment. Yeah, it's great world building of, you know, uh, I like that line, too, uh, from Satine saying we are a people of tradition and, you know, really highlighting that, like, you know, we celebrate honored visitors. That's one of the things we do here. It really, you know, builds Mandalore up as a place of honor. Yes. Yes, Absolutely. Uh, for me, uh, for comedy, I, I got to say, every time anyone said uh, Slaben, <laughs> Slaben, yeah, it is. I, I he he is a he's a complex figure, and there's much to be discussed. But I am a, a fan of Jerry Lewis. Yeah. Uh, not a fan of everything he's ever said or done, uh, yeah. but a fan of him and his uh, strange life. Uh, but I, I thought of him every every time. Slaben, Slaben, <laughs> they poisoned it with what? The Slaben? <laughs> yeah, it's. <laughs> I <laughs> uh, love it. Um, this one, uh, I this might have been intended as comedy. I, I, it made me uh, laugh out loud. Early on, uh, Almec is talking to the Mandalorian ruling council, and he's kind of just reviewing what's going on. And that one Mandalorian ruling council member gets angry, and he's got the, just kind of like uh, uh, the mustache, <laughs> kind of yeah. just an angry guy. Yeah. Uh, and he says, we know what is happening, Almec, and just like pounds the fist, apparently furious uh, that Almec is uh, sharing blatant exposition. <laughs> Uh, he would not like Rick Ollier, but <laughs> nope, or Bibble. Yeah, either one of them. They seemed like a, a like it almost seemed like a meta joke of like sometimes in these kind of scenes in Star Wars, you got one person who's like really reviewing. In the yeah. why doesn't somebody on the council just once go? We know, like I mean, in Attack the Clones, when yeah. uh, when Co Bibble is saying he's you know Newt Gunray has been on trial four times. Like you think 
that there is a single person in that meeting who does not know that? It's it's a. Uh, I have some friends who are not social media savvy for reasons, and I'm not saying that you need to be on it, but they're just they're just they're, they got their own lives. They're not they're not plugged in, and I'll get like a text from one of them. You see this? Are you aware of this? And it's like uh, Disney Plus to uh, give show called Mandalorian. I'm like, yeah, buddy. Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> you see yeah. We know what is happening, all that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I love that. Um, I don't think this was. It, I don't think this was intended uh, as a joke, but I think I just, uh, especially with the captions on, have like a meme radar up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when when it is uh, discovered that, that just Ahsoka is staying, not Anakin. Mm-hmm. And Anakin says, I must return to battle immediately. <laughs> it just seemed like such a mission statement for Anakin. <laughs> that, like, uh, I'm sorry, I can't finish dinner. I must return to battle immediately. He's, yes. That's that's who he is. He's uh, pooching his way out of the plot. <laughs> <laughs> I must go back to my home planet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how about uh, how about for you? Any other moments of uh, comedy, whimsy, weirdness? Yeah, yeah. Um a couple of them here. Uh, uh, there's a great line. Was it the the Mugans, right? Or the Mugas, the, the, the head, the head guy. Um, yeah. Mugan, I think. Mugan, um, Mugans from Muga. Mugans from Muga. I'll, I'll have to, my friend Owen Mugan. Now I, now I have a new name to call him. Um, I love there's a line. He says to, to when they're loading in the drinks, he's like, uh, come on, you worms, get those barrels inside. I'm like, I'm going to have to start saying that. I don't come on. You worms. I <laughs> uh, love that. And then, okay. So when the, when they, when the super uh, school, super and um, superintendent, um, when they, uh, when they, uh, when they catch him basically. Right. Yeah. He, they're right there at the door and they see it and, and he, um, he slinks off and I just can't, <laughs> where does he think he's going and how does he think he's going to get away with like that? Like, give me one lie. Just hang in there. What? Just do that. What? And then maybe they'll believe you. Instead he's like, uh, uh and he shr- slinks away like a chihuahua who just peed on the carpet. And it's like, uh, I got to get out of here. I, it's a great moment. It's it's it was unintentional comedy for me. Yeah, uh, n- not that the Simpsons invented the word superintendent, but I'm already thinking about Simpsons because of uh, Superintendent Chalmers, right? Yeah. Uh, so they're talking to the superintendent and like, yeah, we're the import log to the school has been erased, and then he's like, practically just like does a cartoon ding 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 ding. <laughs> It's so funny. Yeah, there's that one, and then uh, I, total credit to you. And maybe you were going to list this. I might be stepping up, but but you, uh, you you tweeted out the the Ahsoka Ahsoka Twitter face, and <laughs> you tweeted it out or posted on Instagram. I think I saw it first, and then I was I was getting dinner. I was about to sit down and watch the episodes again, and so when I came up, I paused as well, and I just had a great laugh. You're so, it's just an amazing Ahsoka makes some of the best faces in that sequence. We're call it, you can call it Twitter face, social media face, but she just, there are these big giant dubious faces. And I just, it was, if you hadn't tweeted that out, I don't think I would have paid attention to it as much. So kudos to you, sir. It was really, real good pull. Yeah. When I, when I screen capped it and, and, uh, and sent it out, somebody responded with a gif, which goes in a full circle where her face is kind of neutral and then goes to that. Yeah, I think <laughs> you're full of it. And then goes back to neutral again. It's, it's a hell of a thing. It's really good. Uh, and then the final one for me. Um, so like, I don't know if Ahsoka did right by shocking Almec. All right. I'm not saying I condone <laughs> that, but when she does, and then she says, gotcha, it made it all worthwhile to me. Oh, yeah. No, there is definitely, uh, you know, we talk a lot about uh, Ahsoka's compassion and her, her growing wisdom, but she's also definitely got some uh, some Anakin's yeah. <laughs> minor desire for vengeance. And uh, <laughs> and Obi-Wan would not be above that one either, you know. 
Yeah, no, yeah, a little, a little bit of light gloating. Yeah, yeah, I think it's okay. fine. Yeah. Uh, last moment for me is uh, <laughs> when uh, Corky is in the gang are so naive that they're all gathering around the hologram, right? As Almec says, you know, uh, thank you for bringing this to my attention. Bring the recording you took of the black market deal and all the cadets who know about it (laughs) (laughs) to our late night meeting. Like it feels intentionally written in a great way to show like how naive, like if you, if you had said that to Ahsoka, she'd be like, uh, no, no, Oh, and all the cadets who know about it. How can, oh, you're going to give us medals? Is that what's going to happen? That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Moving on to uh, Star Wars canon lore connections to other stories. There were some uh, some small things and some uh, kind of bigger fun things to discuss. Uh, but do, do you want to start, Ken? Yeah, yeah. Some small, yeah, exactly. No, right? Uh, always small uh, ones are really fun, too. I just love Padme talking about trade routes. Anytime there's kind of like a <laughs> trade dispute or something going on and Padme being there, just got to, I like the connection there. Um, I just like kind of the, in general, the, the, the general Mandalorian council distrust of uh, corporate alliances and corruption in the Republic just kind of, again, speaks to the, uh, bigger picture. Then there is, oh, no, oh God, I missed a comedy moment. Some I put in the wrong connection. When, when the superintendent grabs the kid's drink and goes, excuse me, child, I must borrow your drink. Like, what? <laughs> anyways, different conversation. Sorry, I put that in the wrong connection. Did he return it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, uh, you might have this too, and I'll, I'll, uh, secede uh, the floor here of, uh, uh, Satine will fight for what she believes in. Again, hope without action. You know, it's kind of you know you need the, you need both. Um, she gets neutrality. She's still got to fight for it. So I love that this is what these two episodes are about. That and I think it's a connection to Satine's own story. But then all that rolled into uh, you know at one point Kenobi told Satine about Satine about Padme in episode one. I just love that. Yeah, I, I, that was one of the favorite things I wanted to discuss. Yeah. Uh, she, uh, they're they're discussing sneaking and and taking action and. Uh, uh, Satine says, from what Master Kenobi tells me during your tenure as queen, you became quite familiar with such excursions. Yeah. Uh, which, yeah, it's a great way to build connection to Satine and Padme. Uh, but I also just love it from the perspective of like, uh, are Satine and Obi-Wan just having like late night hollow chats? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Because, you know, it, I don't think the canon is entirely locked in, but so maybe I'm wrong, but I, I've got the sense that they haven't seen each other in a while yeah um when they meet up again uh Correct, yeah. but who knows maybe, maybe this is young padawan obi-wan back in the day around that time calling mm-hmm. but it just you know their their relationship has definitely been you know rekindled and i i like that like ooh, are they is obi-wan calling her to just <laughs> complain <laughs> and tell her what's up yeah, I love that. That's really fun. Uh, the you already mentioned it. Obi Wan causing the new rule that uh, off world <laughs> people can't have weapons on Mandalore, fun. and and uh, and Ahsoka's reaction to that is is really really great. Um, I I was really intrigued by the moment where it appears Satine is threatening violence. Uh, where she says, uh, "Tell me what's going on here, or else my guards won't be as conversational as I am." Right. And Padme's like, "Oh, hey," and <laughs> she says, "Padme, please." Uh, so it could just be like Satine's like, "I know what I'm doing. I'm I'm implying right violence," but it invites that like to look at like both you know Satine and Padme are people who uh, choose non-violent action whenever possible, but they are also like we will act if we need to, and and to see that they neither one of them is just the symbol of that that they kind of trade back and forth. Yeah. No, I like that moment. So yeah, a lot of great Satine stuff. Yeah. Yeah. How did you feel about the incredibly important canon about the culture of Mandalorian that uh, the children really love and will pay for bottled tea uh, with 
<laughs> with their school time lunches. This is uh, this is great. Uh, it, it yeah, uh, Galaxy's Edge. Here we come. Uh, yeah, it was. Um, it, it took me back to to like high school when it's like or, you know our high school our school system signed like a deal with Pizza Hut. That was a big day. It's a big day where you could go to the cart and get Pizza Hut at our school. So I'm, I got to imagine Mandalorian. Uh, well, we got water, but we look at that sprite over there. <laughs> No. Yeah, the 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 bubble pop, whatever this is. Oh, yeah, I love that. Uh, like you said, the superintendent just kind of like, well, we provide the water, but outside vendors are allowed here. Like, yes, outside vendors bring in the non-alcoholic white claw for the students, and they can have as many bottles as they want. Yeah, um, yeah. No, I had the same thing. The pizza, I think I, I remember uh, the year it emerged, yeah. and I never turned back. <laughs> pizza Hut for lunch for many years. Um, yeah, so one of the big things that I wanted to chat about is uh, what I'm calling the Corky Conspiracy uh, with two Ks, a K for Corky and Conspiracy. Nice. Uh, so just Corky in general, I, I wanted to talk about the actual canon of we meet this kid who is uh, Satine's nephew uh, and uh, also Bo-Katan's. And I don't think I looked on w- Wikipedia. Uh, I, I think in modern canon, we don't really know who his actual uh you know, parents are, right. um, but in the Mandalorian, uh, Bo-Katan does say she's the last of her line, which would suggest that things didn't go well for Corky's <laughs> parents or Corky himself. Uh, so there's the interest just in general in, in who Corky really is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I have become aware from the internet uh, that some fans uh, like to think that Corky, because of his appearance, is Obi-Wan and Satine's son, who's been pawned off as somebody else's child. <laughs> ah! Are you oh, familiar with this Corky conspiracy? I am not familiar with this, but oh my, do tell more. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> I can totally see, because there was, you know, those moments back in the day of Force Awakens of like, well, who is Ray? Could she be a Kenobi? Look at the way she you know, sneaks around the Starkiller base. Listen to her accent. There, That'd be really interesting. A Kenobi versus a Skywalker, but in a different way. And then, you know, there'd be the like, oh, well, Obi-Wan did have a romance with Satine. How would that work? And I, I like that people are like, I need, I want to draw this line. Corky is the answer. <laughs> Corky is the smoking gun. Look, I mean, you know, a lot to is to be learned about that uh, Satine and, and Kenobi year on the run there. Uh, and uh, I think a lot of us want that story one way or another. So maybe we'll finally get that answer. That is spectacular. Corky is an interesting character to me. And yeah, but yeah, you're so right. I guess uh, he doesn't survive uh, action forthcoming in the story, Star Wars story. I I've looked I looked up because I don't want to be disrespectful. I don't know if that name uh, if they've chosen that name based on someone and it's a, important to Filoni or someone's life. And you know that's my grandfather Corky. He, he passed away. I it's the most it's one of the most odd awkward names in Star Wars for me. And 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 a franchise that has the weirdest names ever. Just yeah, it's Corky. What? <laughs> what? what? Yeah, no, I think uh, I think that that he is one of those characters who like that. Yeah, that's uh, it. It feels a little off. It feels a little, you know, maybe sitcom, uh, yes, you know. Yes. Um, so I, I think that, yeah, there's definitely an, an element of that's probably some of the love of like you, you've been mentioning a lot lately. And I so agree with like sometimes even the things we're not sure about in Star Wars, sometimes we, we almost hold a, a special place in our heart for the things that are a little bit weird, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, and Corky uh, is a character is just, uh, you know, ultimately when I watch this episode again, I think I was like, 
I think when I first watched it, I probably had a little bit of the, is this just like a total plucky kids? You know, the, the kids can save everybody mm. kind of thing. Mm. Uh, I saw in the, the you know, uh, the featurette where Filoni kind of compared it to Harry Potter and that makes a ton of sense. And, you know, rewatching it again, I thought it really did have a good balance where, uh, yeah, the kids are plucky and daring, but Ahsoka really encourages them to be. And they're caught, I think, in kind of a, it's heightened, of course, but caught in this good place of, you know, Corky works for me as a character because he is that person who's like, well, everything should be fine because yeah. I know all the leaders and and it's my family and and Prime Minister Almec who's always been nice to me and said I can always go to him and and he is he's he's a character with a little bit of like privilege within Mandalorian society, right? And yeah. he he learns a hard lesson. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So I think everything that it, that can be sort of like uh, fun about him, you know, or or weird, or you know, let let's have fun internet conspiracies. The it all it ultimately for me goes back to uh, the character works. Yeah, no, he does. He does. He does. Uh, name name aside, I do enjoy uh, do enjoy the character and want to know the fate. Yeah, I, I do. I want to know the uh, <laughs> the the challenges of Corky going forward. Yeah. Um, there's a good. I have a bad feeling about this uh, from one of the other kids, Lagos. I believe that was that was nice to see. Um, I liked uh, Ahsoka's information retrieval device. Uh, we we already talked yeah. about that uh, in the in the pain it caused. Yeah. Uh, last thing for me under uh, fun canon stuff is I like that the guards were trained to resist what Almec calls the archaic magic of a Jedi mind trick. Uh, it's just one of those little reminders that a lot of uh, Mandalorian culture is still, you know, informed by their war with Jedi. See, I'm very, I'm very glad you mentioned that. I actually put that in, in the question category for me because I didn't mm-hmm. like it. Um, and I, it wasn't a dislike. It was a, okay, okay. And I think you're so right to connect it to just the idea. I mean, even even Almec, I mean, in this episode, there's kind of that, like, with the Jedi, like, why are we working with the Jedi in any way, shape, or form? And, and you, can, you can sometimes maybe forget the bigger ramifications of that, uh, you know, the, the wars that uh, we've all heard about in law. So I did like it. I just, I paused because it, it's one of those things of, of, you know, can the force be, can you fight against the force in any way? You know, did the, are they, are the guards taking hits from some, uh, Yel Samiri, uh, pet or something? Yeah. <laughs> um, but then Watto and there's other examples of it in star Wars. So it, it's not that it's out of place, but I think, uh, when you, it was okay for me to pause, think about it and then connect it to the bigger story. And, and I think that's part of the fun uh, of doing these kind of episodes where you can dig in. So yeah, I like it in the end. Yeah, yeah, no, and I, I'm with you. I, I definitely, there are some moments in the Clone Wars where I feel like, hey, come on, these, these are Jedi, you know, they can find a way around this. Um, yeah. But I think for, for me, this, in Ahsoka does ultimately, but for me, this one works because, you know, when we're introduced to it, uh, Obi-Wan says it can have a powerful effect on the weak-minded. So I can see somebody like Almec saying, we are never having, it's, it, this is ancient that we have these specific training to, yeah. you know, resist the, uh-huh. the Jedi mind yeah. trick. It's a wonderful point. And I also think, in an, again, in an episode where Soka said her lightsaber taken away and, and, and she uses this ability quite confidently and then discovers, oopsie, that didn't actually work. And it forces her, a young, uh, growing Jedi, to, to look at problems in, in, in different ways and just find different solutions. Yeah, absolutely. Um, is there any other canon stuff for you? No, no. 
Uh, good. Well, then we can move on to what you were just talking about, because that's the only thing in my uh, disliked your question. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, for what it means for the episode for Ahsoka, I love that the lightsaber is taken away. I love that mm-hmm. Obi-Wan caused a problem for once and, and Ahsoka gets to see that. Uh, but I think coming so soon from our watching off of uh, after uh, lightsaber lost, you know, and knowing that Ahsoka gets the this weapon is your life lecture <laughs> uh, from Anakin too, like you can't put it in a lockbox on Mandalore, Anakin has to take it all the way off world. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. There's yeah. Al- there's also some weirdness for me of Anakin. I know with hyperspace, maybe things can be a little quicker, but Anakin comes all the way out here to be like, all right, see ya. <laughs> Turns around and then comes back later. Uh, pick you up from school. It, it, it was awkward in a little bit of way, but no, I, I think it all kind of ties into that. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. Lock it up, lock it up. Yeah, come on, have a lockbox. Or, yeah, I think there's a part of me that just, you know, uh, and I know this is a writer too. Like, a lot of times, you know, you'll get notes that are add this line for the logic. Sure. And then that's the line you always take out because it slows things down and it's not emotional, you know. But there's a, a part of me that, that wanted Ahsoka to be like, can't, can't we lock it up here? And Satine being like, no, sorry, it's got to go off world. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm with yeah. you on it. I'm with you on it. Yeah, or a snarky comment from Ahsoka of like, that weapon is my life, and he just takes it. Takes it away. <sighs> yeah, and, and because and because Clone Wars, the airing order and the way they're telling the story and going back, and I think they do a wonderful job of making sure it all lines up. I'm not saying this doesn't line up, but you're right, coming so close to some of those bigger episodes with Terra Sinube and everything, and, and um, I want to make sure a lot of the lessons hit. And I think they do in this episode, but but it highlights uh, where the, 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 the wavy, long and winding road of the Clone Wars kind of can cause these questions to pop up. Yeah. Yeah. In, in, in broadcast order, you know, yeah, lightsaber lost was a, a long time ago when this sun was broadcast, you know, in, in a previous season. Uh, in, yeah. For me, it's not a, like, I think that was bad. It's a, it's a, one of those moments that took me out. Cause I, I felt for Ahsoka. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Put it in a lockbox. All right. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you wanted to touch on? There is. I don't think it's Corky. I think it's the other guy. Uh, one of the other uh, Mandalorian kids uh, says, ah, Soka. <laughs> and I'm going to toss it in there of the different ways to say Star Wars names debate. It is very, very clear. Yeah, not uh, Ahsoka is uh, the majority of people say, but ah, Ahsoka. <laughs> it's, not a, it's not Ashoka. But. <laughs> uh, yeah, that one was down there for me. Uh, and then the other thing I wanted to comment on is the Mugen ship. Like uh, these episodes are, are follow the grand Clone Wars tradition of if you see a ship, you're going to watch it land all the way. Um but that Mugen ship, it's tall, and then it's got those weird crawly legs when it lands, like it's trying to kind of slow itself down. Yeah. It's so creepy and so cool. I loved it. Yeah, no, I did too. Absolutely great. Uh, all right, Ken, if you could have a figure, an action figure of any character from this episode, who do you want? So we always, you always uh, the question is figure, and I always try to stay to that, but this always flows into other merchandise, so I do have two answers. Oh, I, that's we, fine. We mention it, um, we mention a lot, and and I, I do want the what's called the RD's beverage, the non-slaben version of the RD's <laughs> beverage, uh, at Galaxy's Edge, if for no other reason, and this is one of those you dig a little deeper into the episode guides on, on the old uh, links on StarWars.com. This was originally going to be what Dexter serves at his diner, but they changed it last minute to Jawa Juice. 
So mm. I think it connects. Uh, I think, uh, hey, you know, uh, different regions, you either get soda pop or Coke. So maybe uh, it's all the same. And this is Jawa Juice in another, another part of the galaxy. I want to get my hands on that. Um, oh, yeah. But as far as figure, I got to tell you, just in terms of like cool Star Wars figures, uh, I, I don't, again, I don't think there's been uh, figures of these. But Satine's personal guards. Really mm-hmm. great design, medieval in their own way. The the Mandalorian culture very much represented. Uh, very a uh, lot, lot of pop, a lot of pomp, a lot of circumstance, and a lot of action in those figures. I, I'd like to have more of those. Yeah, and between that, between her private guard and the Mandalorian police, you know, mm-hmm. it, it is really cool to see that. Like, look, our tradition, our weapons, they're not all gone. They're just committed differently. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The Satine's private guard is definitely the one that's just like, if I want something actually cool, I think it's that. Uh, but I think what I really want, because I love that it continues to be a, you know, an aesthetic of Mandalore and something that Sabine apparently just enjoys the hell out of, which is just those classic <laughs> cocktail glasses. I want a, a Padme and Sabine cocktail two pack where they're sitting at the table with those drinks. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's great. That's good. <laughs> All right. So next up, Season three, episode seven, uh, Assassin. Ken, I am so excited to talk about this one. This is, that single episode is the reason I wanted to do this podcast. Because it, I mean, there's so many other episodes where I'm going to say I can't wait to get this, get to this one. I was looking forward to discussing it. This episode in particular, I can't remember why I watched it. I think it was a just, I want to, I want to watch a random episode of Clone Wars. And I was just flipping through and this was a while ago. Um, and I remember just being blown away by how much it's a great episode, but how much it connects to larger Star Wars themes. And because it's a it's a one off episode of Clone Wars, it's a great one, but it's not one of these sort of uh, famous arcs like, mm-hmm. you know, Mortis um, that I don't feel like there's as much fan discussion of it. And it, it's it's got so much to it. And I'm, I'm so excited to dig in. I uh, can't wait. If, no, if for no other reason, your excitement alone. Excellent. Excellent. So uh, we always have a moral of this episode of our podcast. Ken, what's the moral for this episode of the Clone Wars Report? Uh, The moral for this one is um, if you want a successful podcast, don't let the hope of that far off dream uh, get in the way of the day and today reality of you've got to put in the work. (laughs) Does that work? No, I don't know. (laughs) No, it's solid. It's solid. I, I'm getting it uh, printed up on a pillow, on a throw pillow for my couch. Little spoken like Yoda. I don't know. Putting it together. No, no. All good stuff. Absolutely great stuff. Uh, do you want to let people know where they can find us? Yes, absolutely. We can be found on Twitter at Force Center Pod. We're on Instagram and YouTube. You can like our Facebook page at Force Center Podcast. You can get an audio book on us by going to audibletrial.com slash Force Center. You can get merch at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. You can support us directly at patreon.com slash force center uh, podcasts available in a lot of different spots, but we're uh, highlighting Amazon music where we're relatively uh, new on there. And then also Spotify. Uh, if you want to uh, listen there, uh, the great podcast wars are upon us. Uh, where do you <laughs> listen? But Spotify doing some things to, uh, to make it interesting. So check it on out over there. You can follow me at cadnapsock. Go to my website, cadnapsock.com. And uh, check out what we do over at the GPA, the Good People Association at the GPA.on. Joseph. 
Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can check out my website, josephscrimshaw.com, for all the other stuff I do, my other podcast, Obsessed. And there's a link there to the Adult Swim show I write for, Tigtone, weird comedy fantasy show that is uh, streaming on HBO Max, so you can check that out. All that stuff is on my website at josephscrimshaw.com. Uh, but for now, for myself, for Ken, for that traitor Almec, this has been the Clone Wars Report. Oh,